Hey, Chirocasters, this is Dr. Drew Rubin. I am so thankful during this holiday season and really thankful that next year will be 30 years that I've been in practice. That's totally crazy, but I want to thank my sponsors, Preferred Chiropractic Doctor, now you know, and um, Chirite, and I wanted to thank Chiropractic um, because it's given me an amazing life, and God bless chiropractic and what we can do for our kids. And now here's the podcast. Uh, when I was in Chicago this weekend uh, speaking for the ICPA, um, I had a number of the docs there talk to me about kids that they had as patients um, who had all kinds of uh, significant brain issues. Um, and uh, of note, I started a new patient yesterday who has a significant uh, brain issue. And uh, another student right now just asked me about this. So uh, funny that it all kind of comes together because the topic I was going to talk to you guys about is uh, one of my favorite uh, books called What to Do About Your Brain Injured Child by Dr. Glenn Doman. He, he passed on uh, recently, but he was a doctor of um, uh, occupational therapy. And uh, what he talked about in his uh, book, and that book and many other books, was not just how to deal with the way they typically deal with brain-injured children, but how to really take care of these kids um, uh, in a much more aggressive manner. And I don't mean aggressive as in forcible, but I mean aggressive as in uh, more intense manner than what is generally uh, utilized. Because like, here's a child, um, you know, over here, what, what's, what's happening with this little boy? What, what's going on with him? So he's right over here. Uh, cerebral palsy <laughs> uh, is what's happening with him. 90 times, 99 times out of 100, if you see a child who's in some sort of a large wheelchair device with their head back uh, like this and their hands kind of like this, um, that's very severe cerebral palsy. Um, and understand that almost all cerebral palsy comes from a birth injury of some sort, uh, whether the injury uh, happened uh, before birth, uh, they had a stroke, let's say, uh, in utero as labor was starting, or maybe even beforehand there was some sort of issue, or they had some kind of hypoxic situation happen during labor where uh, meconium aspiration and they swallowed some meconium uh, you know, during you know, labor or some, the cord was, was around their neck or something like that. Um, you know, uh, Iugar is a, is a possible thing that can cause uh, some kind of brain damage. Iugar, if you remember, is, is the initials uh, intrauterine growth retardation. Uh, intrauterine growth retardation, which is uh, a big cause of this. And um, one, one reason why there's Iugar is because of olecodraminos, which is not enough amniotic fluid. You know, the mom, for whatever reason, is not having enough amniotic fluid. Um, so, so that's usually the, the main causes of a lot of these kind of issues. So here's an example of cerebral palsy. Um, and uh, the way Dr. Dolman uh, would take care of these kids um, is quite revolutionary, but it is very challenging uh, because, and we'll talk about this as we go on in the class, but the whole point of it is to do way, way, way much more work than you normally would. Because generally speaking, a lot of these kids who have uh, these uh, you know, brain injuries uh, during birth or before birth or shortly after birth, how often do you think they're seen? Uh, 
and worked on traditionally during a week. Maybe a couple times a week, right? Maybe a few hours. But is that sufficient? Is an hour or two a week sufficient to change these kids? The answer is no. So I've had a lot of children like this go through my practice. Uh, and what I usually tell them is, uh, number one, you need to get assessed by someone who uh, works with the Institutes for Advancement of Human Potential. Um, they're in, located in Philadelphia, but there are people all over the world who've done their work and are trained in it. Number one. And number two is you need to prepare to do, be doing hours of work a day with this child. Not hours a week, but hours a day uh, to, to work with this child. And I've literally seen uh, uh, children who have come in who ha were born with cerebral palsy that were destined to be like this and told that's where they're going to end up. But the parents have worked eight hours a day for years and the kid is almost normal. And I've seen this a number of times. But so it just, it all depends on input, right? What we talk about that first class, frequency, intensity, duration. And the worse the problem, the more the frequency, intensity, duration has to be. An hour or two a week is insufficient. Because if what you're gonna do is leave the kid in their little cage, you know, those stupid car seats for the rest of the time and let them keep on growing and watching an iPad or something, it is not gonna work, right? So this is cerebral palsy. Um, we've had uh, kids come into the practice like uh, with microcephaly. Um, microcephaly is when um, uh, through a number of genetic and congenital issues, um, they have a smaller than average size brain. But what we have seen is that kids who are microcephalic, it doesn't mean that they're destined to have you know, a, a very challenged life because some of them actually with whatever brain tissue they do have, have amazing abilities. It's just a matter of turning it on, right? Through frequency, intensity, duration, there's neuroplasticity that can help some of these kids to some degrees. Um, and then the question that a student just asked me is about this one uh, issue, infant hypoxic ischemic encephalopathy, which um, is a, a type of brain damage that occurs when the brain doesn't receive enough oxygen, so when there's some high, kind of hypoxic situation. Um, this is a significant you know, challenge you know, also. But um, you know, my answer to Andrea was that when something like this happens, they've got to read the book, What to Do About Your Brain and Your Child, and they've got to be prepared. The parents have to be prepared to do outrageous amounts of work because that's the only thing that's going to turn this kid around to any degree, right? Uh, and and the, the, because the, the modern practices today are to go to a physical therapist, maybe OT and, and maybe a speech therapist a few times a week. So you have two or three appointments a week. And you're like, wow, I'm, I'm, am I busy? I got, I'm going to doctors every day. Yeah, but two, three, four hours a week is insufficient to counteract the severity of these kind of situations, right? So what we need to do is we need to um, tell the patients. I, I had a patient yesterday with a child who has a very significant uh, challenge. And that's what I told him. I said, just, you're going to read this book, and I want you to be prepared for doing a lot of work. Because that's what is going to help you know, these children. It's, 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 not, it's not being passive with these kids. It's being very active, very participatory, doing all kinds of things for every sense, right? Because you know, we used to think when I was in school, there was five senses. But how many senses are there really? There's at least eight. Right? There's at least eight senses, um, and probably more that we haven't even figured out yet. Right? Because there's, you know, we have all these senses, the, the, the visual senses and the ears and all that kind of stuff, but what about the proprioception and vestibular and enteroception, like internal body you know, uh, a sensation? 
And that's just what we know, right? So imagine if, if when I was in school 30 years ago, we just had five senses. Now in 2018, we have eight senses. I would imagine in 30 more years, they're gonna be, they'll say, oh, there's 10 senses, 15 senses, who knows how many senses we, we have, right? That's the, the interesting thing. But what we have to do is we have to make sure that these kids are getting stimulated in all of these, all day, every day. And that's been usually the mistake, is that they'll go to a physical therapist or they'll go to an occupational therapist or they'll go to a speech therapist and they focus so much on one small little area that they forget that there's all these other things that they have to work on, right? You can't just focus on one thing or a few things. We have to focus on all the things. And you can't leave it up to the professional to do it all. So you have to have the parents do this stuff at home, right? And that's what we're gonna talk about you know, today is the program that Dr. Doman you know, came up with uh, through the Institutes of Human Potential uh, in Philadelphia. And he's written a number of books um, about it. Let's see, I think I brought the book up. Yeah, yeah but here's the Institutes uh, here. Um, and if I can find the book for you, it's some, oh, I know where it is. There's the book right here. What to Do About Your Brain Injured Child. It is not my favorite name of a book. Uh, it's kind of a non-politically correct name of the book. But the book was written like 30 some odd years ago. So back then, 30 years ago, brain injured, the word or the title brain injured child was okay. You would never say that now, right? What would you say now? Developmentally disabled or something like that, that probably be a better you know, title uh, to this book. But you're not gonna change a book that's been an amazing book for this you know, many years. Um, so this is the book that I recommend uh, for anybody who has uh, a child who's dealt with some sort of massive challenge. Um, whether it is something uh, like cerebral palsy or uh, the uh, encephalopathy, you know, kind of issue, or even you know, if you've had a kid with ADHD or autism on a, but a, in a severe, um, you know, kind of situation. 